gentlemen, it's time for the action in the main attraction here on the Sweet Science Class. What's up, everybody? Thank you for joining today's episode. And we've actually been kind of ghost for a few weeks, but it's been a little quiet in boxing lately, and the Sweet Science class has actually been staying busy. A couple weeks ago, we were in Austin for the return of James Kirkland. We got to work media at that event. That was a really fun time, a really great event. We got to see a lot of up-and-coming fighters, a lot of good performances that night. Sadly, the James Kirkland fight itself was not super eventful. His opponent was not there to put up a fight at all. It lasted, you know, less than one round. But it was a great event to be at. That was our third event to cover media at. And that same day was the Kovalev yard fight. We're going to touch on that and maybe leading into Kovalev and Canelo. We'll touch on what happened this weekend with Loma and Luke Campbell. Arizlandi Lara also sparked out Canelo's brother Raymond Alvarez in two rounds. There's really nothing more to say about that than what I just said. It was that. He sparked him out in two rounds. So we'll talk about the Loma-Luke fight, what that did for Loma and his legacy, what we could see coming up for him in the near future. And then we'll probably get out of here. Like I said, there's not a lot to talk about. There's basically nothing coming up this weekend. There's quite a bit next weekend, but we'll touch on all of that on next week's episode. So today, standing by, I've got Jakeem, and I've actually got our senior writer, Landon, who will be filling in for Felix, who's handling some personal stuff today. So what's up, Jakeem, and what's up, Landon? Yo, what's going on? Yo, what's up, Sweet Science class? Uh... Landon, welcome, man. First time on the podcast, and let's get to it. Yeah, it's, it's been a slow weekend. We got a little bit of stuff to talk about. Let's get to it. So we'll shoot back two weeks. Kovalev Yard. It honestly went, you know, kind of how I expected. There was rumors. Well, it's not rumors because they're they're true. Anthony Yard did no sparring leading into that fight. Do I think that's partly why it ended up with that outcome? Not necessarily. I expect Kovalev to win no matter what. I don't even think Yard had taken on UK's top competition, you know, let alone take on someone like Sergey Kovalev, who's been in the ring with many a beast. Yard had his moments. Well, I actually got to watch that fight with Jakeem. That was the rare time we got to hang out. I was at his house in Austin. We watched that fight together. What were y'all's thoughts on that fight? Yard's performance, Kovalev's performance... And just the entire fight itself. Well, I start off by saying for for Yard to even step up in competition like that, I give him a lot of credit because before he was fighting, you know, the the UK circuit, he wasn't he wasn't really fighting anybody like uh, of an uh, elite level like Kovalev, and I I think he was the WBO uh, mandatory, but you know how that goes, anybody can be mandatory. So I do give him credit 
for taking a, a giant step like that because honestly, he has nothing to lose. If he wins, you just be Kovalev, you know, one of the best at 175. If he loses, it, it doesn't really hurt him. So I do give him credit for that, taking a big step. But you know, going into the going into the match, I felt like Kovalev was going to be too much for him. Just experience and just yards, like lack of lack of of quality opponents. Uh, like you said, Yard, he did he did look good. Like he he looked good at moments, especially what was that the eighth round? I think it was the eighth round when he was going for the body, and he hit Kovalev with those body shots, and and he must have been watching you know the Andre Ward fight. You know everybody seen that Kovalev he doesn't he doesn't take shots to the body very well. And at one point, I believe it was the eighth round. At one point, it looked like Kovalev was done. It looked like he was out of there. Like me and Dustin, we was jumping up screaming because. I couldn't believe like uh, it was almost like a, a Andy Ruiz upset. Like uh, if 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 Anthony Yard would have pulled it off, but Kovalev being the being the, the veteran that he is, you know he he maintained his composure, came back out the rest of the fight, and and he stopped him. So it was a it was a gut check for Kovalev. It was a a decent effort by Yard, even though he I feel like he needs to work on his conditioning and. Him not sparring, I don't know. I don't know what's the deal with that. Like, I, I, as a fighter, I believe sometimes like you, you do need to spar. You can't be a fighter and not spar. I don't get that at all. But his conditioning was was real bad. And I mean, I, I feel like maybe one day, Yari, he can be he can be a world champion one day. And it's good that he took on a challenge like that so early in his career. So I mean, the sky's the limit for him if he just continues to condition better and. If he keeps on fighting uh, quality opponents in the future, so I mean, who knows? Like I said, one day I think he'll be world champion. Yeah, Jakeem, I'm totally there with you. I think Anthony Yard came into the fight and he didn't spar. He's not practicing in that way that you need to practice. You're going to need to be conditioned to getting used to getting hit in the face. Uh, being used to going rounds like that, not just getting slapped in the face with pads by your trainer and practicing flashy moves and you know i mean he looks wonderful on camera he's a big guy i mean he's muscular great looking dude but he got into the ring with a monster and he fought the devil in hell i mean i i don't really know what his people were thinking by moving him up to fight somebody with a name that big and letting him go to that man's hometown to fight in his first time with a name like that it didn't make a lot of sense to me. I think he has a future, though. I don't know if it's going to be an instant one. All right, so, I mean, really the fight, I, I saw it starting out, and I really thought that Yard was was really trying to establish himself, and, and I think he did. He held his own early. And, I mean, just over time, Sergey was finding holes in his game. Ultimately, you know, he did get hit to the body. He didn't like it. He reacted like a champion does, and he ended up getting the knockout. He didn't get there easy, though. It uh, got to the point to where his trainer, Buddy McGurk, was in the corner, and you know this man had just went through a death in his stable with Maxim Dadashev dying as a result of a horrible head injury, and he was actually threatening to stop the fight because he didn't want to see Sergey go through the same thing, and I'm sure shades of that were still fresh in that man's head. But overall, it was a great fight. Sergey showed his age, for sure. He is getting older. Father time gets us all. And uh, 
really think he's earned his way into the next chapter of his life, which looks like a possible pay-per-view with Canelo, which is going to result in a huge payday, and he'll be able to send off and live his life any which way he wants, and he'll be remembered as a great. Also, on, on a footnote, did y'all see the, the knockout that, that actually ended Yardy? It, it wasn't, he, he like barely touched him, so it was yeah. more... It was more of his condition than anything. It wasn't even like a power punch or anything. It was a jab. Exhaustion yeah. knockout. Yeah, he fell down and he couldn't just get back up. He didn't have no more air left in him. I thought after round five is when I started noticing, and Jakeem and I were talking about it, around the fifth round was when I started seeing yards start to gas slowly. I mean, I might have given him a few rounds, but, I mean, that was – that was a pretty clear, decisive. Even without the knockout, it was going to be a decisive decision, in my opinion. The Kovalev jab was the entire story of the entire night. I mean, it was just jab, 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 pop, throwing that neck back, and that's what sparring can help you get used to getting hit with that jab. It can help you go rounds and keep your conditioning. So it started to go in the fifth, but I will give him credit because in the eighth, even after he'd been tired, I believe the eighth round was when he, I – he almost got Kovalev out of there. And I'll almost say, had that round had an extra five or ten seconds, who knows? Because I felt like the ref was giving it a very close watch. The bell rang. Sergey regrouped. I mean, and that is where experience comes in. When you've been in the ring with Andre Ward, Andre Ward again, Bernard Hopkins, John Pascal twice, Kovalev's fought all the top guys, so that was why I gave him the strong edge going into that. That pretty much ended up being what happened. Just It was just Jab City, his stamina outlasted Yard, and yeah, like they said, a jab dropped Yard in the 11th, and that was it. I mean, it didn't even seem like it was super, like, you know, a pain shot, like it knocked him cold. I just think Yard couldn't even stand up. He had about everything he had had. But he did go 11 and a half very tough rounds in his, I believe, 19th fight with a very tough guy, by far the best guy he'd ever fought. So, yeah, Yard's got great potential. He just needs to climb the ladder slower. This was a big jump into the ocean. And I can't say it enough. My God, spar, Anthony Yard. You have to spar. I don't – it just makes – it makes no sense to me at all for a boxer not to spar. You don't have to overdo it. You don't have to be James Tony, who used to only spar, but you got to do a little bit of sparring. And like Landon said, I mean, that leads in to a Canelo Kovalev showdown. I didn't, for months, I didn't think it was actually going to happen, but now it's very clear that that is what is going to happen. I don't know if it'll be November, December. I think they're still battling with the dates. Kovalev didn't want it early November like Canelo's side wanted, because he'd have to jump right back into camp. I think he wanted a little bit of a break. That was a tough fight. You know, he took he definitely took some shots from Yard. So we'll see how that goes. It'll be by far the biggest payday for Sergey. Yeah, he can maybe retire, go out into the sunset, win or lose. How do y'all see that going? Uh, you know, a year or two ago, I think I would have laughed. But I can't believe I'm saying this, but I think Canelo can actually win this fight. Like I told you, man, fresh meat. Fresh meat. Kovalev is the state. That's what, that's what they see. Kovalev's just a big piece of steak hanging, and, and, and Canelo wants him. They, was, they were willing to pay Yardy a million dollars to step aside. Like, that's how confident they are. A fighter like Canelo, two weight classes smaller, 
if he's hollering all this noise and, and they're trying to pay a million dollars for your opponent, your next opponent to step aside, it's something that they see in Kovalev that they feel like they can exploit. So me personally, like Canelo is the is in his prime. I told y'all this before. Canelo, he's in his absolute prime right now. He's the best at 160. I don't see him having any problems with Kovalev. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be a, a catch weight or if Canelo going to go up to 175. We, you know, he probably walks around that weight. You know, when he was like fighting at welterweight 154, he was coming in weighing at like 170 pounds. So it's not a, the weight shouldn't be a problem for him. As far as the power, I feel like you know, with the right body shots, we already know Kovalev. He's he doesn't like getting hit to the body. So with the right body shots. I feel like he could take him out because that's Canelo's specialty. So, me personally, I feel like they're not going to make all this noise to make the fight if they feel like they can't win. So, I see Canelo taking it. Yeah, Jakeem, and I got to agree with you again. I uh, I just think Canelo is, is too good right now. I mean, he's one of the greatest things in boxing. And Sergey Kovalev, while he's great, you heard Dustin mention his resume earlier. He's been in the ring with giants of the sport, all-timers. And I just he's going to be in the ring with an all-timer again that night. And there's no other way of looking at it. It's going to end, and I think it's going to end with Canelo having ribs for dinner, Russian ribs. And uh, you're probably going to see Kovalev get knocked out. I'm going to say eighth round, he'll have had enough. If if in round eight you saw what you saw against Anthony Yard, against Kovalev, then it's he's not getting out of eight. So, I mean... I really can't see it any other way. I'm sure the odds are going to be insane in Vegas in Canelo's favor, and Kova's going to look like a huge underdog probably, even though he's the bigger man. That's interesting you said eighth, because in my head I'm sitting here thinking seventh or eighth. Yard almost got Kovalev in the eighth, if I'm remembering right. And if I'm remembering correctly, I think Ward stopped him in the eighth. I can't remember. Man, I'd have to fact check that before I said it. I'm pretty positive it was the eighth round. And that was kind of all starting with body shots, whether you think they were low or not. That's not the topic of the day. <laughs> we won't go down that road. Um, but, yeah, it feels like everybody knows that Canelo probably wins and probably wins by knockout and probably wins by knockout to the body. Somehow we've all narrowed it down. And I think we're all going to be right. Uh, uh, sadly, uh, you know, Kovalev's going to be really strong. Maybe the hardest puncher Canelo's ever fought. I don't know. I, I can't compare that, you know, with Triple G. I know Triple G and Kovalev have done their bit of sparring. I've heard rumors that Triple G has dropped Kovalev with body shots and sparring. I don't know if those are true. And, but we got to remember, Kovalev is the bigger, taller guy. If it's not at a catch, if it's at a catch weight, Canelo hands down. And I'm afraid it will be. I don't want it to be. If Canelo's really going to do this, I think he should go to legit 175, but that that's hard for me to believe. I'm, I'm guessing a 171, 172 type catch weight, which will drain Kovalev at this old age, and he'll be nothing at that point. But Kovalev's jab is a monster. But on the flip side, Canelo's head movement, I'm not the biggest fan from the waist down with the foot movement, but Canelo from the waist up, arguably the best in boxing right now with the head movement, he might be able to just dip, dodge, and slide that jab all night, ripping shots to the body, and that may be all she wrote. So, I don't know. I really, I, 
before I can really give my final thing, I'm going to have to hear the final weight, what they decide to come in on. I hope it's not a catch weight, but I bet it's a catch weight. And the legend of the Canelo weight continues. And with that, I guess we can slide on into what we just saw this weekend. Like I'd already said, you know, Lara fought Canelo's brother very quick. Lara looked amazing. We all expected a knockout. Maybe not that dang quick, but that's what happened. And the other big fight of the day on the menu was Lomachenko versus Luke Campbell over in England. It was Luke's place, and it felt like the crowd was just as equally on Lomachenko's side. I'm seeing people say that Lomachenko dominated the fight. He clearly won the fight, but I don't think I can say dominated. I gave Luke several rounds. Yes, he got dropped. He got hurt once, then he got dropped later. But Luke actually hurt Lomachenko around the sixth or seventh round, and for about three seconds, it was something I wasn't used to. And I know we've even seen Lomachenko go down against Linares, but that felt like a flash. Like he walked into that and he got back up. It felt like Luke really rocked Lomachenko. And for about three seconds, he was not well on his feet, but he recovered well. He came back. You know, Loma won convincingly, but he looked a little human. But I expected this. I was kind of going against the grain with this fight, telling people Luke's height and reach are probably going to give him trouble. Not saying Luke wins, but it's going to give Loma a little bit of trouble. That honestly seemed to be the case. So what were y'all's thoughts on that fight and Loma's performance, what he looked like that night? So I'll be the first to admit, I thought that Lomachenko was going to dominate, right? Because I was my cue. I said destroy. I said Lomachenko was going to destroy Luke Campbell. If you look at the scorecards, that's what happened. But if you watch the fight yourself, it wasn't it wasn't exactly that. The cards um, were insane. Yeah, the cards were crazy. Like I, I didn't agree because I just watching it, I didn't I didn't officially score it, but I I think I had Luke winning like four rounds. Yeah. And yeah, another round they were kind of close, even towards the end, because Lomo he didn't take control until the end. And but to me, I feel like. Luke shouldn't even be hanging with Lomachenko when it comes to, to skill set and everything. That's why I thought he was going to destroy him because before this Luke Campbell and Lomachenko was announced, nobody was talking about Luke fighting Lomachenko. Like, he wasn't even considered. So that's why I felt like Lomachenko should have destroyed him. And as the fight uh, wore on in the late rounds, Lomachenko, he took full control. And he started looking like he should have did in the in the beginning but like Dustin said like I guess Luke Campbell's his his height and reach did it kind of took Lomachenko a while to figure out and he was catching Luke Campbell he he caught Lomachenko with some really good shots some some shots that you know typically you don't see top pound for pound guys get caught with you know what I'm talking about like really really clear shots and I I think I know what punch you're talking about it was the one by the ropes, and it looked like yeah, uh, Lomachenko lost his footing. Yeah, and he lost his footing. It looked it looked kind of funny, actually. But uh, yeah, like you know, you you don't you don't see top pound for pound guys get caught with punches like that. You don't even see Lomachenko get caught with punches like that. Yeah, Lenares knocked him down, but it was more like a flash knockdown. He wasn't really hurt. And man, Luke Campbell, he was he was game. Like he came to fight and in front of his home crowd, and and you know, given that opportunity, I, I thought he did good. He did a lot better than I expected, but as Lomachenko is as crafty and a veteran that he is, he pulled through late, and he pretty much dominated in the late rounds, like after probably the seventh and after, or maybe eight and after, he dominated. So 
no props to Lomachenko. Yeah, I really, uh, I really was impressed with Luke Campbell and his his performance that night. I mean, you're fighting one of the best guys. You know, you're you're fighting an all timer at this point, really. You're in front of your your home country. You're trying to make him proud, and he he did, in my opinion. I he fought a great fight. I had him stealing about three to four rounds as well in agreement with the guys. And I mean, ultimately, it just comes down to. You saw Vasil Lomachenko go out there and do what he does at the end. He, he hit him right in the body. He always searches for the sweet spots, whether it's upstairs or downstairs. Whenever it hits, it's clean. And he's masterful with his work. I mean, his footwork is still there. It's it's going to be there. And it's just fighting these taller guys might prove to be a problem for him. I mean, it, to me, it seemed like it bothered him. And it resulted in him getting hit a few times and I mean he even said after the fight that you know he got hurt or he hurt me so I mean this goes to show that, that Luke is no slouch and definitely deserves his place upon you know fighting some of the contenders out there but overall wonderful fight yeah Luke, Luke is no slouch and Lomachenko's human and it feels weird to say that when he has a loss on his record but you know second fight against a super veteran who came in overweight on purpose, dropped the belt. Who knows how that fight would have gone if it was a couple fights later in Loma's career. Since then, he's looked fairly unhuman in most of these fights, making top dudes quit. You know, knocked Linares out with a body shot. He's clearly a great body puncher. That was the shot that put Luke down. He hurt him multiple times with body shots. I still got Loma. Mm, he's in my top three pound for pound. That's where he's been. It's been probably Bud, Canelo, Loma, and probably that order. I I could flip Canelo and Bud maybe. I think Loma stays at number three for me. It was a great win. Had he went out there and just absolutely dominated, I don't know. Maybe I would have moved him up. I still probably would not have, but I think he probably stays at the number three spot for me just because he did look a little human but I mean this is boxing you're supposed to have those moments and you're supposed to fight through them and that's what he did and if you look at the scorecards like we said the three judges had it like 10 to 2 11 to 1 11 to 1 I I don't know what they're watching I gave I think I gave Luke four rounds but he also got dropped so it was kind of like a 116 111 type thing for me but yeah props to Luke props to Loma and now What's next for Loma? In my opinion, it starts to get a little maybe scary for the man because he's in a weight class where he might not belong. He said himself that his best is at 130. He's at 135. He's in his early to mid-30s, constantly getting older. And now you got people like Tank Davis, who just vacated his belt at 130 to move up to 135. Yes, Tank's in talks to fight Gamboa into this year, early next year. But... He is a number one contender to one of Loma's belts. And a Mr. Devin Haney has a fight next Friday. And if he wins that one, he's number one contender for another one of Loma's belts. And he said today, I want Loma. If I win my next fight on next Friday on, I believe, September 13th, I believe that's the day, that I want Loma Chinko. And this is where it gets a little exciting for me. Because now you've got the older Loma fighting these big, young, strong, undefeated guys. I don't know what's going to happen at that point. How do y'all see 
Loma matching up with a Tank Davis or a Devin Haney or anyone like that? I can see him matching up pretty well against everybody you just named. I mean, I know you said we, we saw him be a human over this last weekend, but I still think that any of these guys coming up that you're naming, just the styles, the experience with some of them. I mean, Devin Haney is, is a wonderful fighter, but I do not know if he is quite ready for Lomachenko yet. Uh, Tank would be a, a very game opponent for sure. I mean, but he also doesn't have that, that marquee signature win. I mean, they have a common opponent, but he doesn't have the signature yet. So he would be trying to do that against Loma. So I, I don't really know how I see his chances. And then you have people like Richard Comey, Teofimo Lopez. There's all kinds of names out there and very attractive fights, but I think Loma wins all of them. To be honest, I don't see him losing. I can't believe that slipped my mind. You got Comey versus Teofimo coming up. The winner of that will fight Loma for all the belts. That's another, that was another two names. Go ahead, Jakeem. You got Teofimo, you got Comey, you got Haney, you got Tank. Tiffimo and, and Comey, they, they don't even matter. Uh, I feel like the, the IBF title already has Lomachenko's name all over it. So they, they can fight, which I, I think that will probably be a more competitive fight than the winner facing Lomachenko. But pretty much like it was Sunday, I was saying that the 135 division was a weak division. But now you bring in guys like uh, Tank Davis, he's a mandatory, and then if Haney wins, he's a mandatory. Now – it's kind of looking a little bit more competitive. Um, the only fight that really matters is is Tank Davis and Lomachenko at this point. Haney will probably be a good test, and I think he probably would do good against Lomachenko. But you know, he's still young. I, I feel like he still needs you know a couple more steps up the ladder before he gets like an elite fighter like Lomachenko. Because you don't want to you don't want to you know mess up his psyche or. Know, mess up his progression as he as he's trying to become a world champion by giving him a test like Lomachenko. So I feel like the only fight to make at 135 will be Tank Davis and Lomachenko, and that's depending on, on their promoters, and we know how that goes. That's going to be very, very difficult to make. But it's a wonderful cocktail of fights. I mean, you're not going to be you know, without talent in any of these bouts. I mean, this is a dream for a boxing fan. It's the ultimate pool of great fighters. Yeah, I'm excited to see Loma against whoever wins with Tiafimo and Comey. I mean, even that fight's kind of a coin flip. You know, I, I want to say Tiafimo will be able to get it done because Comey can be sloppy at times, but I don't know, man. Tiafimo didn't look super stellar in his last fight again maybe the height and reach some of these guys can't handle the taller guys comey's got monster power you know he was dropping beltran veteran ray beltran multiple times who knows if tiafimo can get by lomachenko has said that he actually wants tiafimo lopez but he does not think tiafimo can beat richard comey i don't know if those are mind games I think he's being legit. I think he really does favor Comey, maybe due to a little bit more experience. And I'm going to throw one more name out there. Michael Dutchover is in this weight division. He might, you know, who knows, in another year or two, that's another guy to throw in. 135 is starting to look like 147. That's a bold statement. I feel like the two top guys, of course, are Tank Davis, Lomachenko, and then you have the second tier with uh, – 
Tefimo and Comey, but if, if one of these guys lose, they're kind of going to be a little, you know, fall out to another tier and then the other guy be up there with the rest of the world champions. But I feel like it, it's, it's getting better. It's getting more competitive, especially with Devin Haney in the mix. I feel like he can do a lot. I just don't want him to jump up too soon, especially when you when you got guys like Lomachenko and Tick Davis sitting at the top. You know, I know he's going to be anxious to take those fights. I mean, you say it's a bold statement, but, I mean, let's let's flip to the 147 and do exactly what you just did, you know. Who's in the top? You got Bud Spence, maybe Porter, I guess Pacquiao. I don't know about Thurman anymore. I probably wouldn't put Ugas there. You know what I mean? There's a lot of, like, second-level guys. It's still an amazing division. That's why I compare it. I think you've got a couple monsters at top, and then you've got a plethora of people in the second level who are amazing and will give all those good, all those guys good runs and maybe pull an upset. But I think even at like 147, you're like 135, you got Loma. I mean, he's definitely top dog right now. Really, everyone else is fighting for that. 147, you got Bud and Spence. I don't really know that anybody else belongs with those two. Maybe, maybe Porter. We'll find that out in three weeks. I, I still don't know what to think about that fight. I'm still not fully decided on what I think. I'm not going to make my prediction yet. But I don't know. There's just a lot up in the air with 147, just like 135 with me. That's that's why I compare them. Okay, well, what I'm looking at, too, age. Because, man, the 135 division is a lot younger. So those guys, man, they got a lot of time to make, you know what I'm saying, to make leaps. And a Tank is like 24 Tiafimo's like 22, 23. Like, all these guys are in their lower 20s. That's crazy. And and they're already, you know, reaching that, that level of success already. So, I, I may have said that, you know, the division is not as competitive, but, like, in the next two or three years, it's going to be very competitive. Ryan Garcia, right? He's 135 or 130. They all kind of hover in that range. I mean, that's kind of why I brought up Michael Dutchover, because he's told me personally I can hit 123. Six, if I had to, 130, 135, maybe even 140. I think all these guys could float within that 10-pound window for whatever fight is appropriate. Yeah, it's going to get interesting in a couple of years. Uh, it's already starting to build. I mean, you, you're seeing these guys fight. They're fighting often. They're, they're fighting on all kinds of access that wasn't available five to six years ago. There wasn't a zone. The reach is so much further. They're, and like you said, Ryan Garcia, you're able to get that hot at a young age and have that many people follow you and interested in your career and man like you barely graduated high school man <laughs> so yeah 135 it's up in the air and i guess we'll see the next chapter of it next friday we'll see what devin haney can do like we said that will make him the number one contender i think you'll have to wait i think loma would take on the comey lopez winner but then you got Devin Haney, you got Tank Davis, who will probably defeat an older Gamboa. Yeah, the next year or two, we're going to start filing out a lot of cool stuff in the 135. Speaking of 135, two weeks from this Friday, we'll touch on this more next week, but I want to give it a little plug. September 20th, Friday, Midland, Texas, where I'm currently at. Our hometown hero, Michael Dutchover, is coming back to fight his second Showtime Showbox event, and it will be here. We're hoping to get in for media passes, and if he wins that, he becomes 15-0, and and then the sky's the limit for him. You're going to start hearing his name get thrown in. 
There's going to be a lot of good, exciting things happening all through between 130 and 147. I mean, even 154 is hot. Jared Hurd's talking about maybe not fighting J-Rock anymore, moving up to 160. We know how 160 is. Canelo wants to move up to 175. Whoever says boxing is dead, I hope you're blind because you're not watching because there is so much going on in every single weight class. It's impossible to say that boxing is dead. I've been watching for a long, long time, and I really can't think of I can't think of many better periods than right now. There's so many fighters. I hear people tell me, you know, there's just a few names. That is asinine. I can name 20, 30, 40 just off the top of my head without even really trying. So it's a very exciting time in boxing. Unfortunately, this weekend's kind of quiet. But NFL comes back for all you NFL lovers. That's the only other sport that I follow. So I'm a little excited for that. Then next week which we'll get into more on next week's episode. You got the whole Mexican Independence Day weekend. We got Tyson Fury coming back. We got Jaime Munguia. There's going to be a lot of good stuff that weekend. But we'll get into all that next week. We just wanted to drop in since we hadn't done one in two or three weeks. We've all Our schedules are all crazy. We're in different time zones. You know, life happens. We've been busy doing media. It's just been crazy. So we wanted to get in this week, touch on a little bit what's going on. We'll be back next week to touch on the Mexican Independence Day fights. And then we're going to start rolling into Porter Spence week or two weeks before that. And we're going to really go hard and heavy on that one because I'm really excited. We'll finally have a unified champ in the 147. Then you'll have Bud Crawford with the belt. You'll have Manny, who's got two belts. I don't really count that other one. But... You're going to have to start getting – it's kind of like 135. You're going to get some amazing 147 fights over the next year. These people are going to have to start fighting each other, I hope. We'll talk about that another day because, my goodness, these promoters need to start figuring some stuff out. Aram and Hearn seem to be getting on the right page. They've made several, you know, co-promoted fights, and they were all amazing. So hopefully we can get this going with the Al Heyman side. But everyone who listens to this knows I am extremely reluctant. And I usually blame a lot of it on Al Heyman. We'll see. We'll see what happens. So, guys, any final thoughts, shout-outs, anything you want to get out before we get out of here? Um, Everybody just, you know, check out the page. Uh, we got a couple of – I think we dropped, like, three in one day. We got articles up. So check those out. Keep liking. Subscribe to the YouTube be looking out for the website and thank you all for listening yeah it's a, it a pleasure being on guys i really enjoyed this i look forward to it in the future and uh just wanted to shout out the writers uh they they help make a lot of this happen on the writing side uh igor george kevin what's up guys and yeah everybody uh thank you for liking our page if you haven't liked it uh just head on over to the sweet science class on facebook instagram youtube give us a like follow us yeah, shout-outs to the riding team. Like they said, they dropped, we got three dropped in one day the other day, all touching on good stuff. They're doing a really good job. The website's almost done. We closed our group, finally. Now we're just really rocking the page, rocking the YouTube channel. So please like us, follow us, subscribe to us. We're growing every single day. Let us be your boxing media source. And we just really appreciate anyone who follows us, anyone who supports us, we just hit our two-year anniversary. 
I remember being the only one on the page. And now we're approaching 14,000. We've got an 11-member team. Everything has changed so much that everything is going so great right now. And it, it's exciting to even think about what'll, what it'll be like in another two years. But like we've said in the past, without y'all, we can't do this. It's a full circle. Y'all support us. We get to do more, which in turn, we get to bring y'all more. So we love y'all. We appreciate y'all. And shout out to Felix, who couldn't be on today's episode like I touched on in the beginning, but he'll be back next week. And I'll also have Christian Smith on next week on an episode. It may splice in together with one, with the one we're going to do. It may be its own thing, but we're going to get Christian Smith back for the first time. And I think he was on two or three months ago. We'll see what he's been up to, get his opinions on some of this crazy boxing stuff that's been going on in the world. Sweet science class is out.